Welcome to Awaken Life Church podcast. For more information about our church, please visit awakenlifechurch.net. We hope you enjoy this message by Daniel Willett. So we're continuing our series today on the, the prosperous soul. So if you're a note taker, this is Prosperous Soul 3. And if there's a subtitle, The Mind. Prosperous Soul 3. Or if it's going to be on our podcast as Prosperous Soul Week 3, The Mind. And so let's go ahead and pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for what you've already done in this service. You've already just done so much in this service. We've seen you move. You move the mountains. And God, And we're just saying even in this message, you're doing it again. You're moving again. And you're bringing your truth, God. You're bringing your word, God, that heals us. God, you're bringing your life that awakens our hearts. God, so we just receive Holy Spirit. Just come and do what you do. Speak to our hearts this morning. We don't want to leave the same. We want to be changed in our mind. We want to be renewed in our mind. Romans 12, 2 says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So God, we just take on the mind of Christ today. We just pray that we are being renewed in the spirit of our mind, that we wouldn't just believe in Jesus, but we would believe like Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So I am excited about this message. This is a topic that has impacted my life deeply and has changed me. And speaking of anxiety and stress and a lot of these things, this very much ties into, into those things. And so 3 John 1, 2 has been our key verse. It says, Beloved, I pray that in all respects, say all respects. All respects. Say it again, all respects. all respects. I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. So that verse and, and certain phrases in that verse alone can renew your mind. Do you know that's a big part of why we have the word is to actually meditate on the word, chew on the word, and let it change us, let it renew our mind. So when it says all respects, I pray that you prosper in all respects, that phrase alone can renew your mind. Because what's left out of that? All respects. What's left out? God's saying, I want you to be prosperous in all things. So that right there can renew our mind. We can just begin to say, God, I believe that you want me to be prosperous in all respects. And I'm just going to chew on that throughout the day. And when those thoughts come up, I'm like, wow, that thought is actually not in alignment with what God says. He wants me to be prosperous in all respects. So when I start to believe like, oh, God doesn't want me to prosper in finances. Oh, God doesn't want me to be prosperous in my relationships. I can actually use that and, and go to battle with it. No, God, your word says... You want me to be prosperous in all respects. And I'm going to actually confess that and begin to believe that and change my mind. Amen? What's left out of all respects? Let that renew your mind. So God wants us to prosper in all respects just as our soul prospers. So as your soul is prospering, you will prosper in all respects. Your soul, and we've been talking about this, is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And so God wants us to be prospering in our mind, in our will, and in our emotions. And today we're going to specifically focus on the mind. So Jesus said, John 8, 32, 
It's a famous verse that we've probably mostly all heard. It says, Then Jesus said to those who believed him, If you abide in my word, then you are my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. So let me say that again. If you abide in my word, then you are my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Now, some people read that like, if you do my word, if you perform my word, then you are my disciples. But that's not what it says. It says, if you abide in my word. What does that mean? That's believing. It goes on to say, then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That's abiding in truth. That's meditating on truth. That's what it looks like to be a disciple of Christ, is to believe truth. I believe God gave this to me. It's a very powerful statement. The highest calling in our Christian walk is not to perform good works. The highest calling is to believe truth and become free. Let me say it again. The highest calling in our Christian walk is not to perform good works. The highest calling is to believe truth and become free. Amen? This is the highest calling. A byproduct of believing truth is that good works will flow out of you. It doesn't, we don't perform good works. And even if we're performing good works outside of abiding in truth, it's not going to have the impact that it does when we're actually abiding in truth and the, and the good works just flow out of us. Amen? We're not trying to work up or do good works, perform good works. Our biggest calling is to believe truth, faith. We are created for good works. That's what the Bible says. But good works will flow out of believing truth. In intercessory prayer yesterday, and I said it today again in worship, uh, we were here yesterday doing intercessory prayer. And what was on my heart was this. I am not a victim. I am a victor. And I feel like that was something I needed to release over the group and over our church, that we're not victims, that we are actually victors. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says, But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. That's so good. That bears repeating. Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and he manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. We have been given the victory. We have been given triumph in Christ in every place. Amen? I am not a victim. I am a victor. If I believe that I'm a victim in my life, I will respond out of an orphan mindset. If I believe that I'm a victim, I will, I will experience situations that make me feel like I'm a victim. I will, I will respond out of this orphan mindset of like, I'm not good enough because I'm a victim. Things are always happening to me. But if I believe that I'm a victor, then I will respond and react out of a victor mindset. So again, we're talking about what we believe today. Sometimes we can get into that victim mentality. In fact, a pastor shared with me like a month ago, I had a conversation with him. And he said, you know, the Lord convicted me on something. He said, uh, something happened in my life, a car broke down or something. And I just said, why does everything in my life always turn to crap? 
And he's like, the Lord just convicted me. He's like, you have a, a victim mindset. It's like, why is everything always happening to me? So if we believe we're a victim and we're confessing things like that, like, why does this always happen? Why every time I do this, this happens? Why do my things always break? Why do it's a victim mindset? We need to begin to change our mind. This is all this message today is about what we believe. We need to begin to change our mind and say, I am a victor, I am not a victim. I am a victor. And when I believe that I'm a victor, then I will respond and react out of a victory mindset. God wants you to have a victor mindset. He wants you to have a hope mindset. You know, that verse we just read, we could form a confession out of that verse and a declaration out of that verse that sounds like this. God is leading me to triumph in every area of my life in Christ Jesus. This is what I'm going to believe. This is what I'm going to chew on. This is what I'm going to confess. God, you are leading me to victory in every area in my life in Christ. Believing truth sets you free. Amen? Believing truth sets you free. Believing the enemy's lies lies holds us in bondage. Now, something I want to just talk about is we believe in um, prayer from anointed people. And we receive that. And that's why we have altar time after service. And by the way, our altar time after service, sometimes that's like the most amazing things that happen all day. We see people get healed. We see like people get emotional healing. We see see powerful prophetic words come forth that give people direction and encourage people. And so I just wanted to encourage you that that's like, you know, come up as often as you need, you know, at the end of service. There's certain people that really value that. And I think other people might be scared of it. And then some people may just not have a value for it yet, and that's okay. But that's what I'm trying to instill in you is like, have a value for prayer from anointed people. That's, it's a good thing. So we believe in that, and uh, wanna encourage you to do that. But it's believing truth that sets you free. So we believe in prayer from anointed people, and it can bring breakthrough. And that's what the prophetic ministry is, is for, by the way, bringing God's truth into your life, that will shift your thinking and it releases hope that breaks hopelessness. Then it brings direction where there's no direction and it releases truth where there are lies. So a lot of times, like part of our altar ministries, we're asking the Lord, like, God, what do you want to speak to this person? Like, do you have a specific thing you want to speak? And sometimes it won't get anything and sometimes we, get, we do get something. But when the prophetic words come, it's exactly for those things. It brings direction, it brings God's truth, it releases hope to break hopelessness, and it releases direction where there's no direction. It releases truth where there are lies. So we believe in that. So all that to say this. So we believe in prophetic ministry. But what I want you to understand is when you abide in truth, as Jesus has said, abide in truth, you can experience prophetic ministry every day. Amen? Prophetic ministry is to bring encouragement and it's to bring truth that destroy lies. So when you are abiding in truth, when you are confessing the word, when you are declaring the word, you can experience prophetic ministry on a daily basis. Amen? So we believe in that powerful prayer from anointed people, but ultimately you can be doing that for yourself daily and you can be confessing truth daily 
And that's just as powerful because Jesus and the Holy Spirit and Father God are inside of you. Amen? Amen. You can prophesy to yourself. The Lord said to Ezekiel, prophesy to the dead bones. Prophesy to the dead bones. That, that's a crazy story in the Bible if you've never read that one in Ezekiel. There's just this huge pile. Ezekiel sees this huge pile of dead, dry bones. And God looks at him and says, prophesy to those dead bones. Say what? Prophesy to the dead bones that they can live. Okay. And he starts to prophesy to these dead bones. And man, I want to see the videotape of that when I get to heaven. Because these bones begin to form into skeletons. And then all these, the Bible says, sinews and all the tendons and ligaments start to form and the muscles and then the skin forms. And all of a sudden, it's this mighty army from a pile of dead bones. I want to see the videotape of that one. That would probably rival anything that Hollywood can, can do. But God wants us to prophesy to the dead bones in our life. He wants us to prophesy over the dead bones in your marriage. He wants us to prophesy over the dead bones in relationships. He wants us to prophesy over that family situation where it looks like dead bones. Over that work situation where it looks like dead bones. Over your finances where it might look like dead bones. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. I don't know how we're going to get out of that. He wants you to begin to prophesy over the dead bones in your life. We need to learn to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. It's so important to know how to strengthen yourself in the Lord. I love reading about David. And um, there's a story from 1 Samuel chapter 30. And it's uh, David. It's, he's running from Saul. And he's been given a city. This just kind of hit me the other day. He's been given a city for him and his men. He's on the run from Saul. But he's been given a city by the Philistines. This is the people he's been devastating. I mean, he goes out to battle and just crushes them. And he's given a city by them. This is the people who he destroyed their giant, made them flee in terror. And he's just devastating them at every turn. And they're like, here, have a city. Meanwhile, he's running from Saul. Saul, the man who he loves, who he served well, wants to kill him. I just thought that was such an interesting contrast. The one he's been serving wants to kill him. The one who he's been killing wants to give him a city. Interesting. So he has this city. It's called Ziklag. It's given to him and his mighty men and all their wives and children by the Philistines. And they go off to battle one day. And when they come back, they get back to the city. The city's burned down to the ground. And all, the, all their wives and all the children have been taken. As you can imagine, the men begin to cry. They begin to wail loudly because their wives and their children have been taken. And they don't know if they're dead. They don't know if they're alive. They don't know what's happened. They just know their city's burned to the ground. All their wives and all their children have been taken. So they have an idea. Here's their idea. Let's kill David. Let's kill the leader. He's led us astray. Let's kill him. David hears this. 
Now, so he's coming back to the same thing. His city's burned down. His wives and his children are all gone. And now to make it worse for him, in his perspective, now they want, he's got all his people that he's pulled out of the gutter and made them something great. They all want to kill him. Interesting situation. So here's what the Bible says. That's the setting for the scenario. And then the, the next verse says this. Then David strengthened himself in the Lord. David strengthened himself in the Lord. This is what we need to learn to do as believers. And it doesn't tell us what he did. But I believe he got alone. He got away from them for a minute. And he began to remind himself what God has spoken over him. The prophet Samuel said, you are going to be the next king of Israel. I believe he was like, God, that's not happened yet. I'm not dying here today. The prophecy that you said, God, has not come to pass yet. God, I, I went against a giant that nobody thought was, it was possible to beat him, and, and I destroyed him. God, you've always been faithful in every situation. I am not going to die today. And he began to strengthen himself in the Lord, encourage himself in the Lord. I will be the next king of Israel. Your promise is going to be fulfilled in my life. This is not the day of my death. He strengthened himself in the Lord. So we're focusing on the mind today, believing truth, confessing truth so that we can have God's perspective for our lives, for others, and for our circumstances. That's what David did in that situation. He's like, God, I need your perspective for this. Oh yeah, I'm going to be the next king of Israel. This is not going to be the day I die. So we need to learn that, how to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. Grab on. That's why this prophetic ministry that happens in the altar, that's why it, it is powerful, is because God can give you a word that you can hold on to. Sometimes you might get a word that you really don't know what it means until all of a sudden you run into a brick wall. And you're like, oh, that's what that word was for. Now I have something to hold on to and confess and believe because that word, God actually knew this roadblock was coming up and he gave me a word ahead of time. In fact, um, I heard Bill Johnson say this once and I found it to be so true in my own life. He said, I promise you that every situation, every issue you're, com- you're going to come up against, God's already been speaking to you in Scripture. He's already been speaking to you through your pastor. He's already been speaking to you through prophetic words. Because he's already prepping you for when you come to that place, you have something to hold on to. And you can use that word to strengthen yourself. You can use the Bible to strengthen yourself when you get into those hard situations. God, what is the, what is the truth over this situation? You can begin to talk to yourself. Okay. Car just broke down. We have no money to fix it. God, what is your truth? My God will provide all my needs according to his riches and glory. Okay, I'm stepping into faith. I'm not going to step into fear and anxiety. I'm going to step into faith and believe that your word is actually true. Amen? This is about what we believe. When I believe something, it activates God's promise. That's what we read a couple weeks ago. Hebrews chapter 3, I believe, or Hebrews chapter 4, it says, faith activates the promise of God. So when I step into this, even, even if I don't fully believe it, I'm like, okay, I don't even know if I fully believe it, but I'm going to step into this place of faith and say, God, you're providing all my needs according to your riches and glory. That's what I choose to believe, God. And I'm going to begin to confess that. And then I might just be going through life and I feel like anxiety pulling me and I'm like, no, I believe you, God. I believe your word is true. You said you'd provide all my needs according to your riches and glory. 
so we can strengthen ourselves in the Lord. And it's so important as a believer because we live on planet Earth and we're going to get sucked into the vortex of negativity of situations and circumstances that don't look good. So we need to be able to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. Amen. Just like David did. I love that scripture that Pastor Joy used last week. By the way, last week will forever be known as the wardrobe malfunction week. <laughs> if you weren't here last week, you missed it. We had, we had, a lot, we had to just laugh you know, last week when we went home. We just really just had a good laugh talking about it. And had, we came up with a lot of puns that some are probably not appropriate to share at church, but I'll just say it was a revealing message if you weren't here last week, so you can ask somebody else what that means. It's a very revealing message. But it's good to laugh at yourself, and that was, that was fun. We just got to laugh. But she shared a scripture last week, and I, I really just was a powerful message. If you haven't heard it, um, it's on our podcast. And she shared this scripture, John chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. It says this, for everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. We need to learn to practice the truth in our life. Amen. Practicing the truth. Again, your life as a Christian is not about performing good works. Your life as a Christian is about believing truth and becoming free. Believing truth and becoming free. How do we become free? We believe truth. And Jesus himself in this verse says, those who practice the truth come to the light. We need to learn to practice truth. It's not about practicing good versus evil. I want to make sure I'm doing more good and not as much bad. That's, that's the picture of the tree, the Garden of Eden, right? There was the two trees, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and there was the tree of life. And God said, don't eat from this one. They could have said, well, wait a minute, that's the tree of good. There's got to be some good there too, right? And he's like, no, the whole thing's death. This is the tree I want you to eat from, the tree of life. So it's not about trying to, us trying to decipher and what's good, what's evil, and trying to do good and less evil. It's about us practicing the truth and eating from the tree of life. Amen? When we practice the truth, good works will flow out of us. So our whole life is about practicing the truth and becoming free. Practicing the truth brings us into the light so that our deeds well, this is what that scripture says, by the way. Practicing the truth brings us into the light so that our deeds will manifest as having come from God. Isn't that interesting? That's kind of what I tried to articulate earlier, is that when we practice truth, we'll have deeds that people can see, oh, that's, that's, those deeds are from God. Like, that actually is flowing out of them from God. So it's not like we're trying to do good, because when we try to do good without practicing the truth, it doesn't manifest as having come from God. Amen? That also could be said in that verse. Our job is to practice truth, and then our deeds manifest as having come from God. We can produce deeds from the Lord 
Oh, we can't produce deeds from the Lord without first practicing truth. I got it wrong in my notes. It's like, I'm confused. That's, that's a contradicting what I just said. It's not good. Yeah, we, we can't produce deeds from the Lord by eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We produce deeds from the Lord by eating from the tree of life. Amen? A couple of weeks ago, I talked about the confession that I had uh, continually been making over my life that I don't have enough time. I had this confession that I was just saying, I don't have time. How can I do that? I don't have time. And walking in truth in that area looks like me believing something different. And so I've adopted, this has been about two weeks now, and so I've adopted a new confession, a new declaration over my life that I'm just saying as I go throughout my day. And it's that I have all the time I need to do everything that God has called me to do. Because me declaring constantly, I don't have time, I don't have time, I don't have time. It actually was a self-fulfilling prophecy in my life, and it was actually contradictory to what God says. Because God says, again, Philippians 4.19, my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. Even your need for time, God will supply. It contradicts Psalm 23.1, the Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not lack for anything, including time. And so I had to adopt a new confession, a new belief, because I'm trying to believe truth, because I realized what I was confessing is actually a lie. So I wanted to step into this arena where I'm like, okay, I'm going to confess something different. I'm going to say something different. I'm going to believe something different, because I realize I have to believe something different to get a different result. What's the definition of insanity? Do the same thing over and over and expect different results. So it's also insane to believe the same things over and over and expect different results. If you want a different result, you need to believe something different. That's called practicing the truth. It's called renewing your mind. It's called taking on the mind of Christ. I'm going to believe. I'm going to confess something different. So when you look at areas in your life where you don't like, you're like, I don't like this. Okay, our, our human tendency is to go after the work and to try to fix the work. But what God is saying to do is you just need to believe truth in that area. You're actually believing something that's not correct, and out of that is flowing these things that you don't like. When you begin to believe truth, out of it is going to flow deeds that look like they come from God. Amen? I have all the time that I need to get everything done that you've called me to get done. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19 This is God speaking. He says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. So choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants. Choose life. Choose life that you and your descendants may live. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. So every day we are either choosing life by believing truth or we're choosing death by believing lies. So we can choose life by choosing to step into that arena of faith and choosing to believe something different in our life. And this is what's interesting about that verse. When we believe truth, it has an internal impact on not just our life, but on our descendants. Amen? Now, there's some things, I'll just be real, there's some things I've seen in, in my kids that I'm like, I don't like that. And guess what? It's actually a reflection of me. 
So I can try to correct and discipline the, ch the child, but really the bigger problem is whatever that reflection of me, I actually have to look at that myself and step into an area of believing truth in my own life. And when I do that, my child will reflect that. You and your descendants will live. When you look at you and you change you, it's going to affect not only you, but your descendants. Amen? It's so apparent to us that have kids. I don't know if maybe it's just me. I'm like, oh, man, that's actually me. I'm seeing that I don't like. <laughs> Got to believe some truth, God. What am I not believing in this area? What am I believing wrong in this area? Choose life so that you and your descendants may live. My wife and I love a pastor named Steve Backland, and he has this quote, it's a great quote. He says, our response to things is almost always more important than the thing that is happening. Our response to what's happening is almost always more important than what's happening. So when life happens, when your car blows up, when your coworker goes crazy, when your spouse is demon-possessed, <laughs> we get to choose what we're going to believe about that situation. Because the way we respond to a situation is more important than actually what's happening. So we get to choose in those moments. We all go through those hard moments. And I get to choose what I believe in that situation. It's really easy to step into, oh my gosh, this looks bad. This is hard. This is not going to end well. This makes me feel hopeless. And that's where we often go. And so, but we all, we have a choice when those things come up to step into that. And, and sometimes I, I tend to see myself do this. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Wait a minute. No, I have to believe something different. I'm going to come over here and say, nope, my life's getting better. My marriage is getting better. Things, God, you're taking me from glory to glory to glory. You said the righteous are like the light of dawn. They get brighter and brighter. I'm getting brighter. So God, this is just a little road bump that you're trying to teach me something new. My life's getting better. Because when I do this, and I'm going to talk probably next week. I don't know if, for sure if I'm speaking. But eventually I'm going to speak about the emotions. Today we're talking about, you know, prosperous soul. We're just focusing in on the mind. But eventually we're going to talk about emotions. And we can direct our emotions by what we think. So this is kind of a building block into the emotions. And so when I start to go here, I can feel the stress. I can feel the anxiety. And then when I'm like, no, I have to believe something different. I can't come over here into this place of fear and unbelief and uncertainty. I have to come over and believe what God says. And when I do that, I can feel the anxiety coming off of me. I can feel the stress coming off of me just because I've directed my mind. And by directing my mind, I'm directing my emotions. Nope. I'm not partnering with anxiety. Anxiety's never done anything good for me yet. It's never helped me yet. And it's not going to help me now. I'm going to partner with God, and I can feel my peace come back. Okay, Holy Spirit, I'm partnering with you. I'm partnering with peace. I choose to believe you're providing all my needs according to your riches and glory. Amen. Is God working everything out for my good or am I a victim of my circumstance? 
because that's what the enemy wants to do. You're a victim. You've always been a victim. People have always done this to you. People have always betrayed you. People always uh, blah, 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 blah. So we can either step into that victim thought and thinking and we'll feel the discouragement and the depression come with it, or we can say, no, I'm actually a victor. I'm not a victim. I'm going to step into triumph and declare triumph even before it looks like triumph. Just like David did. Man, he must have thought, I wonder if he had a minute for a second where he's like, oh my goodness, this is it, this is the end. And then he's like, wait a minute. God said, I will be the next king of Israel. God, I'm choosing to believe what you said. I I wonder if he had a moment where he's like, terror, oh my gosh, they're going to kill me. He's like, wait a minute, God said, this is what we all can do in our life. This looks bad. This is hard. Wait a minute. God, you say, you said. And that's another reason. If you need a prophetic word, come up after service and let someone pray, pray with you because you may need a word to grab onto in those hard moments. Wait a minute. God, I believe you said, I'm grabbing onto this. Is God working everything for good, or are you a victim of circumstance? You are not a victim. Amen? You are not a victim. You are an overcomer. You are a victor. So we start to step into that thought. Like, this is what I choose to believe. I am an overcomer. My situation says the opposite. But I choose to believe this. I am triumphant. So God, what are you teaching me? I just need to learn this new thing that you're trying to teach me. And I'm going to be a victor in this situation. I'm going to triumph. Meditate on truth. That's truth. You're, you're a victor. That's the truth. That's what the Bible says. You're an overcomer. That's what the Bible says. Meditate on that. When those victim mentalities start to come up, part of having a prosperous soul is getting out of the victim mentality. Getting out of the, this always happens to me, I'm always crapped on in my life. Getting out of that. Nope. Bible says I'm an overcomer. I'm a victor. When I begin to believe something different, I'll begin to experience something different. Meditate on truth until it changes the way you think and changes the emotions. Approach your life, approach everything with that in mind. I'm an overcomer. I'm a victim. I'm a victor. Approach everything in life with that in mind. You know, David, when he fought Goliath, when he comes onto the battlefield, he could have said, wow, look at that giant. We're dead. We're dead. That's what everybody else thought. No, we can't beat that guy. We're dead. And it said when when Goliath first came out and he made his big speech, it said, it basically says like Pastor Daniel translation, the wind got sucked out of them and they became fearful. And we're like, this is hopeless. This is hopeless. We're dead. So David could have came into that atmosphere and he could have agreed with that. But he actually believed something different. He had a different belief. He had a different confession. He told Saul, by the way, Saul told him, he comes to Saul and says, I can kill this guy. And Saul says, no, you can't. You can't do this. 
So when you step into this area of belief, especially if you've been around people that have victim mindsets and misery loves company, so when you step into this area of belief, you're going to have people around you that say, no, you can't. What are you talking about? Come back over here to Hopeless Land. This is where you live. You can't do that. So Saul literally told him, you can't do it. Here's what he said to Saul. I kill lions and bears with my bare hands. This Philistine is going to be like one of them. I love David. He's so awesome. King, I kill lions and bears with my bare hands by the power of God. This Philistine is going to be like one of them. He had a different thought. He had a different belief. Amen. He said something different. He believed something different. He had God's perspective, and that's a lot of what this is getting to today, is when we step into truth, we have God's perspective. When we have God's perspective, we can take out Goliath. Amen? We need to step into the arena of God's perspective. That's what makes a great leader, by the way. I think we've said that before, but... What makes a great leader is someone who has God's perspective. That's why David was such an amazing leader. He had God's perspective. He saw things through God's eyes. That's why he came onto the battlefield and was like, this guy's dead. Everybody else were like, we're dead. Now he's like, no, that guy's dead. He was actually seeing the situation correctly. Everybody else was seeing it through a lie. He's like, no, he's coming against God. God's bigger than this guy. <laughs> he's dead. He's like, oh, what? You get to marry the king's daughter and live in the palace? Oh, I've been prophesied that I'm going to be the king. That's where I'm supposed to be. This is all lining up for me. This guy's dead, and I'm supposed to be in the palace. Where do I sign? I'll fight this guy. The giant said, I'm going to feed you to the birds. David said, I'm not facing you alone. I come to you in the name of the Lord God of the armies of Israel, and I'm actually going to feed you and your buddies to the birds. Amen. Amen. He was actually seeing things correctly. I'm not facing you alone. I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord God of the armies of Israel. Do you know why David stood out in that crowd? Because he believed something different. Because he confessed something different. Do you want to stand out at work? You need to step out of this arena of hopelessness and naysayers and negative and, oh my gosh, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. And a lot of times Christians do it too. And step into this arena of thinking and having God's perspective. And you'll stand out everywhere you go. You'll stand out everywhere you go. David stood out because he didn't think like they thought. He had a different perspective. He had God's perspective. He believed something different. His hopes were high because he was believing a lot of truth. The pastor that I mentioned, uh, Steve Backlund, he says, um, you can tell how much truth you're believing by the amount of hope you have. If you have, hope, if you have a ton of hopelessness, hopelessness in your life, you're believing a lot of lies. If you're filled with hope all the time, you're believing a whole lot of truth. Amen? Where's your hope meter? And if you have your hope meter and it's, you feel hopeless all the time, you can change that by stepping over and starting to believe truth. God, where am I believing lies? 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's an interesting story. I'm sure we've all heard it. But they're famous for saying, our God's going to deliver us from this furnace. Now here's what's kind of interesting. It's like, there's three of them, right? And the king says, you need to bow to this idol or I am going to kill you. I am going to kill you. you this, is, this is really as hard a line as it can get. Do this. You're going to be fine. Don't. I will burn you alive and kill you. And so what struck me is like, they didn't say, it didn't say which one said, you know, what they said. They didn't say like, you know, Meshach stepped up and said, our God's going to deliver us from this. It doesn't say which one stepped up. So I just kind of wondered like, did one guy step up and be like, our God's going to deliver us from this. Go ahead, do whatever you want. No big deal. And I wonder if the other two for a minute were like, that's really, that's what we're going with? Okay, okay, I guess, I guess that's what we're going with. But no, they all came into agreement. They said this, Daniel chapter 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if, it, but if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. There's some pretty great confessions in there. No, God's going to deliver us. We're confident. God has actually taken us out of this situation. He's actually going to deliver us out of your hand. It doesn't matter that you're the king. It doesn't matter that you've got thousands of people on your side. God's going to deliver us. Some powerful confessions. They just went all in. Poker term, right? They just pushed all in on God. Going all in, God. They didn't hold any faith chips back to put anywhere else. Well, maybe she'll hold a little bit back. Now they pushed all in, all in on God, and they bet their lives. So we need to look at those tough circumstances that seem like they're going to destroy us and go all in on God. Okay, God, this looks like it is going to destroy me. And if I focus on how bad it looks and the fact that this looks like it could wipe me out, I'm going to feel devastated. But instead, I push all in on God. I'm all in, God. Have faith in you. I'm going to speak your truth. I'm going to confess your word. I'm going to choose to believe something different. I'm all in, God. We can go all in on God. We go all in by standing on his word and confessing his word and confessing his truth. Now I want to close with this. We talk about the the armor of God. And one of the one of the things it says in Ephesians Ephesians chapter 6 it says having done all to all that you know to do to stand after that it's like after you've done everything you know to do to stand stand it's like that courage to just believe. Just be like, okay, I'm just going to stand here and I'm going to confess something different. After you've done everything you know to do to stand, stand. It says, put on the full armor of God. One of the centerpieces of the armor of God is the belt of truth. 
That's what we're talking about today is believing truth, stepping into arena of faith by believing truth. The belt of truth actually in, in the Roman armor, it actually held the greaves and it held the breastplate, breastplate together. It was a central piece to the armor. Like, and even today, if we don't have our belt, our pants are going to fall down for a lot of us, right? Like, belts are important. So I just want to tell you this morning, it's time to put on the belt of truth. It's time to put on the belt of truth. The armor of God is to withstand the enemy in the evil day. That's what it says in that chapter, Ephesians 6. It says you need to put the armor of God on so that you can withstand the attacks of the enemy. And a centerpiece of the armor of God is the belt of truth. It holds everything else together. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? Would you just close your eyes? I just want to pray over you and then uh, Pastor Joy is going to come up and close the service. Father God, we just come to you this morning. We just thank you that you are a good God that you do want us to prosper in all respects, every area of life, every area of life. And we prosper by abiding, what Jesus said, abiding in truth. So God, I just pray that right now you are bringing truth in Jesus' name into every mind. You are bringing truth into the situations that have tried to overwhelm us. You are bringing your truth and your life in every situation. And we just partner with truth today. And I just want you to make a decision today. It's up to you if you want to make this decision. But just you can make the decision today that I choose to partner with truth. I'm unpartnering with stress and anxiety and worry. Those are bad friends. Unpartner with those friends and partner with truth. So you can make the choice today to abide in truth. So Father God, we are stepping into as an act of our will this morning and saying we are going to abide in truth. We're not going to let our imaginations run. We're going to step into truth and we're going to say this is what I'm going to meditate on. This is what I'm going to let my imagination run on. God, what am I going to do when you solve this? And it's just more than I could imagine. What am I going to do? That's going to be amazing. Let me start imagining that. Man, that's going to be so awesome. I I can do this and I can do this. What what am I going to do when my financial breakthrough comes? Oh, man, I can do this for the Lord. I can help this people. God wants you to be blessed financially because he wants you to bless the poor and not be one of them. So, Father God, we step into that arena of faith and truth today. And we choose to believe you over all else. Thank you, Jesus. God, I just pray for every person here with every hard situation, with every challenge, that you are empowering them and helping them, or coming alongside of them to show them the truth in every area. In Jesus' name, amen.